Hello, Chiefs Kingdom. And uh, if you're hearing my voice, I think you might notice that there is not a British accent. I am not British. I do not have a British accent. Um, I am not Tom Childs nor Brad Simcox. And the person joining me today is not British or Tom Childs or Brad Simcox. They are a little bit under the weather. Um, I... My prediction is they are extremely hungover. Um, they had one too many Boddingtons or whatever, you know, British you know, gin and tonics or whatever the Brits drink. I don't know. I'm not, I, I drink American beer made by American men and women. So I don't know what they got hungover on, but it was probably a, a subpar product if it's British. Let's be honest, because we're about American made here on this fill-in show anyway joining me today is my uh number one homeboy you haven't you know he's he's you see him break down film for us each and every week he's awesome at what he does he's a rising star in the biz some people call him meteoric i would agree with them you know so uh listen to him now here before you catch him rubbing elbows with the likes of mina kimes quite soon uh (laughs) Caleb James, buddy, boy, old pal, how you doing, man? That was uh, was quite the great compliments there. But I think we maybe two of the least British people you could possibly have, you know, hosting this show right now. Yeah, so you're not British either. Tell me about how you're not British. You know, I'm not from there. I don't think I have really any any British in me. I don't know. English is maybe the correct way to say that. British, English, same place. Just, I think it's just different times how people pronounce that. But I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure even like what, what is there like a big holiday or something? Am I behind? I have no idea. I, I, I it could have been the, you know, recent um, news about Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, you know, and their high speed chase that occurred. And um, it could be, it has something to do with King Charles. King George is it King George now? Is it King Charles? I, I thought no he changed idea. it. Did he changed his name to King George. I have no idea. I don't know how that works. I don't. I don't understand that you change your name when you get a promotion. I mean, like honestly, though, if that happened, and like next time I get a promotion at work, I'm going to tell my boss that my name is now Wu Tang Maganya, and he can just <laughs> Wu Tang from now on, and his cash rules everything around me. Um, but yeah. I don't know what's going on over there other than Ted Lasso's finale is coming up. And that's probably, that's a really great thing that's come out of England. Thanks to Jason Sudeikis, who's from Kansas city. So one of the best things to happen in England in the last thousand years is actually a Kansas city thing. So I'm a big fan of that. What about you? Let's stop all the British hate for a second. Tell me what's your favorite British thing that's out there in the world today. Hmm. My favorite British, you know what? I'm a simple man. I like fish and chips. Now, I'm not necessarily talking, you know, over there, I assume it's pretty bland. You know, you got your batter, you fry it up, you know. Here, I'm not doing so much of that, like, sea cod or all that. My stuff more comes out of a lake, and it's more involves crappie, catfish, but you got to season it up. It can't just be like that bland kind of taste. You got to add your different spices you got to marinate it in that italian dressing so not too much british about it but i guess i can kind of have that influence somewhat in there you know i love a good fish fry 
but I, I don't do a British fish fry either. You know, I live down here in Tampa, so we do it up with the redfish, you know, maybe some, maybe some sea trout, you know, whatever you're going to catch on your, on your line, but it's fresh water, salt water stuff right off the, right off the coast there. And it's, oh man, it's, it's good eating, but yeah, we don't do it with any kind of bland seasoning either. We're down here in the South. We do some Cajun seasoning, maybe some Zatarans, you know, mixed in there a little bit or something just to really wake you up and put some, put some hair on your chest, you know, in the morning. And so for me, I'd probably say my favorite British thing, there's a, there's a biscuit or as we call them here in the States, cookies um, that are called Jamie Dodgers over there. And my, my wife went to college in, uh, in Ireland Got her master's degree over there. And so I had some Jamie Dodgers when I went over to visit her. And they're basically like, I don't know, like like vanilla wafer type or sugar type cookies with like strawberry jelly in the middle. And those are all right. Like I'll, I'll give I'll give them some props on that. Jamie Dodgers are an enjoyable thing. Um, all right, next question. We're gonna do three three British questions here in honor of our forefathers, Tom and Brad, who are, you know, nursing their hangovers. Um, second question, what's the best thing to ever come out of Britain or England or the UK, you know, whatever the language you want to use? Hmm. I I don't know. Honestly, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big Dr. Strange fan. So we can go with, uh, Mr. Cum Benedict Cumberbatch. He's one of the best things to come out of there. And it just has a fun name to say, like, like you feel a little naughty. When you're saying it, you're like, hey, I'm going to call my girl and talk about Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> you know, hey, hey, girl, Cumber, Benedict Cumberbatch. It's a it's got a little bit of a sauciness to the to the sound of the name. And so I'm, I'm a big Benedict Cumberbatch fan. Yeah, Doctor Strange. Uh, he would play Sherlock. That Sherlock series was super cool. I like that a lot. Um, I'm going to say the best thing that ever came out of Britain was the United States of America. <laughs> Um, and them surrendering to the United States of America in the Revolutionary War. Um, because we wouldn't be here today, and Chiefs Kingdom wouldn't be here today if the British had not surrendered to us and and had not, you know, ran away from Britain in the first place. So, yeah. you know what? The best thing to ever come out of Britain was America. Shout, shout out to Paul Revere. Oh, man, that night ride, Paul Revere. That is the the best Patriots thing that's ever happened. Like you take like, like you know, the Patriots suck. We all know they suck, but they got Paul, they got Paul Revere in their lore. So I'll give them that. All right. Last and third and final question. If you were British, would you be like fancy Royal family, Hugh Grant British, or would you be like lock stock and two smoking barrels, Guy Ritchie movie working in a coal mine, British, like Ella Gavna. Oh man, I don't think I would be like Royal High Society British. I'd probably be working in a fish market somewhere on a, on one of those boats out there doing something like that. Uh, Caleb James, the fishmonger, just mongering it up out there, you know, uh, arm deep in cod, you know, trying to trying to keep up all the fish and chips demand for the entire country of of England. I would not be a fancy a fancy pants guy either. I would probably be a traveler, kind of like uh, Brad Pitt's character 
and snatch where you couldn't really understand a single thing I said, but I'd be like constantly trying to like earn enough money to buy a caravan for my ma, um, at, by any means necessary. Um, I'm not a fancy person in America. So if you think a non-fancy person in America and you put them, you put them in England, I think that's like, like even like a step below the fanciness level. And so I, I would probably be the dredge of society, you know, like like a Helen and Bottom Carter character in a Tim Burton movie. That's that's around where I would be. You know, I'd be asking people for gruel and begging on the street corner like Tiny Tim. Uh, but yeah. So anyway, enough talking about the British. That's our our ode to our forefathers for the Great British Chiefs show. Thanks for giving us the opportunity to come on here and uh, talk some Chiefs football today. Because since the draft happened, we really haven't been able to hop on any podcasts. You know me or you and 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 get our fix in so uh what have you been doing since the draft caleb man since since the draft i wrote a couple articles about i wrote three well and of course in the donovan smith news but i wrote about you know just morris and coburn then i wrote about truman jones last week got a little bit in there about donovan smith and that, but uh, you know, this is what we call uh, catch up on the actual job time of the year because <laughs> you're coming off of that Super Bowl into February, and then right after that, it's draft, draft, draft up until you know two weeks ago. It's a uh, it's some hard hitting stuff. It comes fast. No, a hundred percent. I am exactly in the same boat as far as catching up on stuff. You know, goes uh, with the real job. Um, but question. Talking about the moves the Chiefs have made, you, you wrote up Truman Jones. He's 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 a, he's a he's a UDFA, which, which anytime you're talking about an undrafted free agent, like they're all just lottery tickets, right? But he's a guy who's gotten a lot of buzz and gotten some juice. Do you think he's got a chance to stick? Like what? Like what? What do the Chiefs have in him? So he he's tradition. He plays like a traditional three four outside linebacker role. Be kind of similar, honestly, to what kind of Frank Clark did a lot of last year where you see sometimes where he drops off the line and you see sometimes he'll just come in and rush the passer. Um, he, he's 6'3", 250, so he's not like the big traditional defensive end. But I mentioned that high level of athletic ability that he has allows him to drop back into coverage. And really, you know, it's pretty clear on his tape he's the most athletically talented player on the field every time he's on it. And actually, you know, one of their best plays was – on you know third and medium if they're playing a team with a quarterback that's going to look to run or scramble they wouldn't rush him they'd drop him into a spy and let him mirror the quarterback so the guy couldn't run and make a play and I think it's important that he can make plays in space because I can see him at some point down the line becoming a special teams contributor and I know he doesn't have the background doing that kind of stuff but he is like a bio he's a biomedical engineer that's what he's got his degree in from Harvard so obviously he's a very intelligent individual. I'm sure he could figure out, you know, the nuances of Dave Tobe's special teams units and maybe try to fight his way onto the roster at some point during the season if he can get elevated from the practice squad. So what you're telling me is, is that he's sitting at home right now trying to, like, concoct, like, some sort of, like, serum that's going to make him, like, a superhuman, like, Bane type of guy that's not a banned substance that he's currently like in the, in the laboratory, like trying to, trying to revolutionize his body. It's which, possible. 
That's exactly what I heard you say. Quote it. Caleb James said here, Truman Jones is at home right now trying to come up with the superhuman serum. <laughs> uh, no, that's awesome, though. I mean, I think that, you know, like you, you can never have too many guys that, are, that, can, that have special teams upside, you know, especially on practice squad or bottom of the roster type of things. And, you know, Harvard guys, they get a little extra deserved or not. In a lot of people's eyes, Harvard guys get a little bit of extra pump because they're from Harvard and people assume that they're super intelligent because they went to Harvard. Now, I'm not a guy generally that thinks because somebody is Ivy League educated that they're exceptionally intelligent. Um, but at the same time, if you tell me that the guy's a biomedical engineer, that that tells me that the guy is probably exceptionally intelligent and probably not a stupid football player. No, he's, he's not, he wasn't up there studying basket weaving. He's up there studying you know, science, math, all that stuff that is genuinely you want your smarter individuals to be in charge of. Yeah, he wasn't like trying to start the National Lampoon and join the Skull and Bones. <laughs> You know, his whole time at Harvard because his dad is a congressman and, and told him to. Um, all right. So besides Truman Jones, there's a couple other guys, you know, UDFAs who've gotten some uh, some pump, like Daenerys Prince has gotten some. Um, Jerome Carver, you know, has gotten a little bit of a little bit of juice. And I watched some I watched a couple of games of Jerome Carver and said, you know, honestly, I I think that there he has more in common with a guy like Trey Smith than he does not in common with a guy like Trey Smith. I think he just kind of needs to work on his consistency and maybe his leverage and like not getting overextended and out over his skates a little bit. Have you watched Jerome Carver at all? I have not really had much of a chance to watch him too much. I do know just he's got that similar kind of background to Smith in some of those regards, but I haven't had really the only UDFAs I've watched a ton of have been Jones Cam Jones from Indiana and Daenerys Prince, those have really been the three guys I've only had time to really focus on too hard. It's going to be an uphill battle for any guys on the O-line to really make the roster and even the practice squad for that point this year from the UDFA class. No, I 100% agree with you. I mean, you're you're coming in playing against the strength of the the roster, probably what could be, you know, the strongest unit, you know, especially interior offensive line in the league. Um, okay, so Daenerys Prince, though. So then tell me, why is Daenerys Prince the next Isaiah Pacheco, and why is he going to lead the league in, in rushing yards this year? And why is he the greatest running back since Jamal Charles? Well, he's the best running back the league's ever seen for many reasons, because Chiefs Twitter wants him to be number one. And, you know, all, all jokes aside, when you look at him, he's like a bigger, stronger version of Isaiah Pacheco in some regards you know, I think Pacheco's got more burst, and I think he really can – you can see that at Rutgers. But Prince is that guy that he kind of builds up a little bit. But once he gets to, like, that 10 or 15 yards, that's when you really start to see, like, that straight line speed, and you're like, whoa. You're like, he kind of can just get it going when it comes to that stuff. And that's really – it's interesting because the Chiefs O-line is so good. If you were ever able to get on the field, he'd have chances for those plays where he could just go – and just run, and, you know, no one's going to touch him. He can continue to build up speed. Fast 40, you know, I think he was, you know, right up there with the top guys in this class. Obviously, he, you know, out of Tulsa, he didn't get a ton of hype or anything like that. But he just feels like one of those solid guys. He's got big frame. I don't think he's really that much of a pass catcher. He's got a lot to do 
to develop his pass blocking also. So I'm not so sure I would see him making the roster initially. I think he'd probably be a practice squad guy to start, maybe a midseason elevation. But you definitely have tools to work with there, especially considering, you know, what he'd be up against in the Chiefs offense. Well, yeah, and I think that you'd like you'd rather see a guy like Prince be on the practice squad and the Chiefs kind of develop him a little bit than them to throw another million and a half dollars at a guy like Ronald Jones like they have done the last couple of offseasons. Like, obviously, Jarek McKinnon has worked out like gangbusters for the team kind of doing that. But in general, you know, there's been some misses too, like LaShawn McCoy, to, to name another. Um, and so I'd rather take a shot on a young guy and give him a chance to develop. I think that Prince has a little bit better vision and patience than Pacheco did when he was coming out because Pacheco just played behind literally just a crumbling straw set of straw men at Rutgers as an offensive line. He had the worst offensive line I have literally ever seen in college football at Rutgers. They were, they were ranked 162nd in the nation and and run blocking when he was at Rutgers. So I think when he came out, he was a very Pacheco was a very impatient runner because he he had to be right. Like he had to just get the ball and try to get past his line as fast as possible. So I think that Prince has a little bit of a leg up on him in that respect. But like you said, I think that Pacheco has a little bit more pop and a little bit more power, and he has that that trademark angry running style. You know that 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 seems to to serve him well. Um, speaking of guys who are actually on the 53-man roster and who are going to start this year, first day of OTAs was today, right? You know, we're moving into the next phase of the offseason where players who have actually played games for the Kansas City Chiefs are now in Kansas City practicing. Are you pumped for the OTAs? Oh, yeah, man. Nothing like seeing, you know, pictures of guys running around out there and you know, not pads on, but, you know, in, in some respect, you're pumped up for it because you're getting to like hear about what's going on. You know, they're practicing again, but in some respects, you're like, you know, for like the guys that have been, you know, for your Mahomes is Kelsey's Chris Jones. Those guys are like, let's just continue to get in better off season shape and let's just get real lubed up. But, you know, for those UDFA guys we mentioned and for those like long, young background rookies like your B.J. Thompsons, Nick Jones, uh, Keandre Cobra, this is crucial for them. This is like a really important time of year. This is why I kind of like when you're a rookie, there is no real offseason because every move they make is being scrutinized at a high level and they're fighting for their careers now. Yeah, and I think for a guy like, like Rashi Rice too, like – He's got to like, like, this is his opportunity to start digesting that playbook and, and trying to figure out the offense and where he fits into it. Um, you know, I think I said this a few times on podcast, Sky Moore said on his, on his YouTube channel that he didn't, he didn't have the Chiefs playbook digested until week eight, right? You know, and so this is, these OTAs are a chance for some of these younger offensive players to really get in and, and, and get in the playbook. And I'm, as I'm sitting here on, you know, the mothership on chiefs.com and I'm looking at the photos of, of OTAs today. I tell you, man, I'm getting excited watching Shane Bouchelle throw the ball on this picture and behind the offensive line of uh, Prince Tega Wanago, Nick Allegretti and Darian Kennard, you know, just a, Oh baby, you know, calm me down. Like be still my heart. Uh, 
But uh, it is Justin Ross season. And so kind of like Denary Prince, tell me why is Justin Ross better than Justin Jefferson? Why is he the why is he the best Justin in the NFL? Well, he played receiver at Clemson, so that gives him a giant leg up. I, I, I don't know, man. It's just it's what people do in the offseason, and the Chiefs play into it. You know, they're smart. They know like what stirs offseason debates. You know, unknown commodities who played one really good season four years ago and who are have a ton of potential, but you don't really know what they can do because the you know various outliers in there. And so this is an important time of year for, you know, Justin Ross. It is for him to continue to gain that chemistry, you know, see how he competes in practice. But really with a guy like him, with his medical history, we're not going to know anything until he actually has pads on and is getting tackled. So it's fun to do this right now. And we're going to start to maybe see some patterns or trends you can look for, you know, like who runs with the first team, who does what with the first team, who's on the second team, but goes up to take reps with the first team. You can kind of start to pattern what the coaches feel about the roster and how it's coming together based on some of that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I think that, you know, not to be a Justin Ross hater, cause I'm not, I, you know, I, he's a Kansas city chief. So I want him to be super successful and be a fabulous player, but if Justin Ross is successful on this roster, then the Rashi Rice pick seems seems like a little excessive. Like you always want to give Patrick Mahomes as many weapons as possible, but they're like one of them is blocking the other person from snaps on this football team. So it's either Rashi Rice is is going to end up being the starter and being the guy that they who's going to get the first shot and the first look, regardless, because they invested a second round pick in him. Uh, but if Justin Ross is everything that Twitter hopes he is, then Rashi Rice isn't going to see the field, you know, quite honestly, because they, they they serve the same purpose. Right, man. And you bring up a good point about figuring out those wide receiver reps, because I really feel like maybe outside, you know, MVS is going to get his. He's the paid veteran on the roster. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, MVS in the Super Bowl where it's no catches or nothing or MVS in the AFC championship game where it's, you know, he's got 10 for a hundred and a couple touchdowns, you know, he's going to get that playing time. And that's just, that's who he's going to be. He's going to be, you know, up and down guy one week, one week, he's going to be Superman one week. He's not, but really for those other guys, like you mentioned, Ross, Rasheed Rice, you're taking a look, you know, Sky Moore, Kadarius Tony. Yeah, we think they're going to get to play a lot. We think they're going to get to do a lot of – there's nothing guaranteed for anyone in that position. If, if a guy like Richie James, they think, man, he plays that McCole Hardman role really well, he's going to end up taking reps from somebody at some point also. But it is not, it is a good thing that they do have all these options at this point because they are going to be able to create legitimate competition – come the important part of the off season, which it will be when training camp begins. Yeah, no, and I think that the chiefs have a lot of number two and number three receivers, you know, on their roster right now who are all kind of, you know, fighting each other for reps and for, and they're, I think that the chiefs are going to interchange them a lot. There's gonna be a lot of different personnel groups out there. There's gonna be a lot of different looks of wide receiver combinations on the field because they don't have, that true number one wide receiver, like a Tyreek Hill or Devonte Adams or Jamar Chase, where they have to feed them the ball, right? Like they, there's nobody on the roster right now who has a right to get upset if they don't get targets. 
right? There's nobody who's saying, I need my 12 targets a game or else I'm going to get on the news and be a malcontent, you know what I mean? Or say that the that the Chiefs don't run the run the offense through me. Because, I mean, Travis Kelsey is that guy, but Travis Kelsey is the ultimate team player who's never going to go on on any public media and ever talk badly about his quarterback or his coach, you know? And so I think that you're just going to see a lot of different combinations of wide receivers. Yeah, and if, you know, there's a receiver that feels like they need to play, but they're not getting the job done, Andy Reid's not going to have a problem throwing the ball to Jody Fordson and Noah Gray and Pacheco out of the backfield and Jarek McKinnon. Like, that's the thing I think people, you know, the receivers should understand that better than anyone because they're in the offense. Andy doesn't care who's getting the ball or, you know, where they're lining up. He'll line up in that 13 with three tight ends, and he'll throw it to Noah Gray and Jody Fordson before he throws it to a struggling receiver. So they have options. There's things that they're going to be able to do if it's not all quite coming together the way they like it as early on. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You know, last night, I'm working on a piece for the website right now, um, kind of charting some of the evolution of Andy Reid's play calling. And in 2009, when he played against the Kansas City Chiefs, coached by uh, the remarkable Todd Haley, um, hit, Don McNabb was out injured, and he had Kevin Cobb as starting quarterback. But it was also the first game that Michael Vick ever played for the Eagles. And they also had LaShawn McCoy starting in place of Brian Westbrook as a rookie. And he can't, he had a, there is a stark fork in his play calling in that game where he goes, he ran the Wildcat a ton. He to Michael Vick, but also direct snaps to LaShawn McCoy running the Wildcat. And he ran the ball, I think maybe 10 times in the game. And it was like you said, like he, like his wide receivers on that team, he had Jeremy Macklin and, and I think Hank Baskett were his wide receivers. So like Macklin was a rookie and a stud, but I mean, come on, Hank Basket. Like we loved him when he was there, but he's he's kind of like what the Chiefs have now. Um, but yeah, it he had no problem running the offense through LJ Smith and LaShawn McCoy, you know, in that game. And I just gotta say, after watching that game and watching Andy Reid and the Philadelphia Eagles with a backup quarterback come in and just literally destroy a Matt Castle that Chiefs team. I am just so thankful that Andy Reid is our head coach and Patrick Mahomes is our quarterback. Those were dark, dark days, man. 
Uh, it was nice to see Jamal Charles run the ball a few times. So that was that was pretty cool. Yeah, that game was pretty early on in Jamal's run in KC. Like he was still probably returning kicks at that point, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Larry Johnson was the was the lead back at that point. He was just sitting over there on the sideline the whole game with like a grimace on his face, like I play football for a golfer, blah, 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 you know. And uh, it it was an ugly, ugly, ugly game that I really actually. I, I found myself rooting for the Philadelphia Eagles in the game because they were just such a better team. And I have a hard time rooting against Andy Reid now. He's like, he's our coach. Like, like if I see a team that's coached by Andy Reid or a team that's coached by Todd Haley instinctively right now, I'm, I'm rooting for Andy Reid. No, you've, you've got to. You can't cheer for Todd Haley under any circumstances. Zero circumstances. I mean, that was just the dark night of the soul of chase kingdom like like, i i don't i I can't think of a worse time like it was cool to see a rookie Derek johnson and see some brandon flowers and Derek carr not Derek carr brandon carr action on defense that was that was fun and watching some tomba holly like you know like like i went a little bit down memory lane there but god that team was just so poorly coached just so poorly coached it was it was horrible all right so back to otas What's the one thing you'd like to see out of OTAs this week? Everyone stay healthy, but it's kind of a cop-out answer. Uh, Just, you know, if, you know, we can't see a whole bunch, but if, you know, if they're reporting that, you know, they're rotating a lot of new defensive linemen around, and if they're saying, you know, Keandre Coburn has been spotted in the two deep, at least I'll be pretty happy. Yeah, like I just want to see one – like report of like Keandre Coburn really moved bodies backwards on a few snaps. Like, you know, like he got a good push, you know, give me, just give me a couple little like breadcrumbs of hope, you know, uh, with, with some of the newer guys. Um, but yeah, that's really all I want out of this. You're not going to get anything huge. Nothing revolutionary is coming out of OTAs. You're going to get a lot of coach speak and get a lot of people that say, Oh, we really like what we're seeing. We're coming along. Well, and then, you know, Andy Reid's probably going to make a quote about a cheeseburger, you know, and then and that'll be it. Uh, so moving on. NFL came out with some news today. Thursday flex scheduling has been approved. So there are a few teams that can be flexed out of the Thursday night game. Um, two of them are is the week. One of them, the games is the week 15 game with the Chargers versus the Raiders. Do you see that game being flexed out in week 15 or are these two teams going to be competitive enough to hold on to a, a week 15 Thursday night game? You know, both teams are talented enough, but at that point the chargers could have massive injuries and Jimmy G might be doing his best Jimmy G impression. So I could see it being, I mean, who did the chiefs play that week? Because Let's be real. Like, who did the Chief, who did the Chiefs play that week? Who did the Bills play that week? Because I don't know. They're. I feel like the NFL. If that's not going to be a highly contested game, they're going to be trying to find someone else to fill that slot. Yeah. So let's let's talk about some possible options that might that might be able to fill that slot. Well, okay. So we're talking Cowboys versus the Bills. Oh, that, that's yeah. They want that's that. <laughs> yeah. They want that. It's Chiefs Patriots, but. The Patriots could be just completely done by that point. 
And then the only other one that I really see maybe, maybe being a contender if both teams have a good season would be Vikings Bengals, but I don't see them flexing Vikings Bengals. It's got to be Cowboys Bills, though, right? Is it the Chiefs and the Patriots' is Monday night? Isn't that the Monday night game? Uh, yes, you're right. Nope, it is a Monday night game. I so they're not going to fight. They probably wouldn't. I don't think. Yeah, they probably wouldn't switch them spots. You wouldn't think. No, they probably. I, I couldn't see them doing that. So I'm going to say, especially with Jerry and the Bills, that the Bills are the Bills are leading their division, and the Cowboys are. As good as they at least as good as have they have been the last couple of years where they're at least in the running. I, I don't I mean that 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 market share of Cowboys in prime time I think is is too big for them to to pass it up. They'll they'll sell a lot of memberships. That game will sell a lot of memberships if people were holding out. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And uh so how do you feel about the new NFL Sunday ticket set up with uh YouTube? Uh, you know, I've, I've never even really had NFL Sunday ticket. I'm a big red zone guy, but I understand it. Like, like person, individual, like yourself out of market guy, you kind of got to have it. If you don't want to be at the mercy of the flicker on the red zone and all that. So I, I don't really know a ton of the details. I feel like the NFL should makes enough money to where they could probably just, you know, play all of the games on one channel or multiple channels, kind of like how ESPN has ESPN one, ESPN two, they could have like NFL network one, NFL network two, and then just have the local broadcast, but that won't make them as much money as that will. No, it won't at all. And like, here's the, here's the crappy thing about it is following a team like the chiefs when you're out of market is that I've had Sunday ticket every single year that I've, that I've lived in, in Florida. I used it for two games last season because and they're just they're the they're the they're the local network game because they're so good every other every week. If the Bucks aren't playing at the exact same time that the Chiefs are playing, then I have them. Except for sometimes if the Dolphins are also playing on the same network. Yeah. <laughs> so the only time the Chiefs ever get bumped down here is for the Dolphins or the Bucks, right? You know, and so it's just it's real hard to stomach that much money for two games. I feel like the NFL could make a lot more money with out of network people if you could just choose one team and pay like $99 a season, right? Like you tell me I got to pay a hundred bucks for one season to watch the Chiefs games. No, or, right. Yeah. Or if you could like pay per game you wanted, you know, I don't know if maybe you pay, they came up with something where you could pay $25 a game but you could choose what games you want and maybe it's out of market. I don't know if that'd be something they'd ever entertain. I highly doubt it, but I mean, it'd be, it'd be because you know, as much as the chiefs play on primetime, you probably, you're probably a fan of that because you can just flick on the big network at nighttime. You don't got to worry about, you know, are we going to get, am I going to get the, the overplay from the Jags and the, you know, dolphins or some NFC South crappy game like that rolling over onto the screen, you know, there's so many times for the post for the post game show with me and Serta where like the Chiefs would be blowing out a team like maybe at least three times a year and they cut away to another game like halfway through the fourth quarter and I just tell Serta I'm like dude you're just gonna have to like like just like just message me what happened because I'm like trying to follow it on like the play by play like on Yahoo Sports or something you know but I I just lost my feed 
And so even if they did something like we can talk about like a per game thing, they just did like a like a pay-per-view type of setup, right? Like, you yeah. know, you have all the games and you come in and you pay your 25 bucks pay-per-view for the game. You know, they would, they would make more money, I feel like, in the long run doing something like that and just nickel and diming people like every other streaming service does. You know, like I got Paramount Plus. I pay $5 a month for Paramount Plus, And it's literally because when the Chiefs play on CBS in the football season, I have to have it. Now, sometimes I'll cancel it during the summer and then pick it back up in the fall. But regardless, they're getting $5 a month out of me just so I could have CBS for possibly three hours a week. You know? Yeah, and it's so- crazy. Like, no one's watching that network TV show. No one's watching the CBS show on at 7 o'clock at night. I'm not watching CSI Las Vegas reruns from 2003. They're probably on, right? they're probably on like CSI Minneapolis or like CSI Duluth by now. Yeah, it's definitely like CSI Duluth. You know, it's like, it's like CS, it's like worse. It's like CSI Salina. <laughs> love to Salina. If anybody listening to Salina, we love you guys. But if you guys had your own CSI show, I probably wouldn't tune in, you know, and you might not either. CS Salina. Um, but yeah, so I just I, I just think it's a missed opportunity for the NFL with the Thursday flex scheduling and with everything. Like they like they for as good of a product as the NFL has, they have a way to streamline things and make it a lot more viewer friendly, I think. Definitely. All right. So some other news came out today. Um, I don't know about you. I know a lot of people like 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 I right, I I don't I have to put a caveat here because I can separate myself as an analyst and a fan as an analyst. Sure. Tom Brady is the most distinguished quarterback to play the game. The most lauded. He has the most hardware. He's a great football player. He's a smart guy. He's accurate. He's dedicated, determined. He's a champion. Yada, yada, yada. As a fan, I hate him. I think he's as a fan. I think he sucks. I think he's overrated. I think he can't throw outside of the pocket. He's a pocket QB. You blow up the middle of the pocket. You get pressure up the middle. And he's done. He can't throw on the run. He's a bum. He's a bum. As a fan, I think he's a bum. As an analyst, I think he's one of the greatest football players to ever play the game. Um, that being said, did I need more reason to hate Tom Brady as a football player than than him buying part of the of the Las Vegas Raiders? <laughs> like, 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 come on, like, like Tom, like everybody hates you. You got a really dumb diet book. You had a really dumb diet plan thing that didn't work out. You've had so much Botox that you literally look like like I Cruella DeVille. And so now you're buying into the Las Vegas Raiders as well. Like, like, do you want people just to not be your friends? Like, like that's like, I don't know. Like, like, what's your take on it? What do you, do you am I off base or is this just like like Tom, people hate you. I mean, especially Chiefs fans. This feels like a you know direct coordinated response for him to continue to be disliked for a long time here in the kingdom. But you know, it is interesting that he's getting a little stake. I don't know how involved he's going to be. Is this just some way he's diversifying his money, or does he have legitimate interest in? bringing the TB12 way, the Tom Brady method to Las Vegas, because that, I mean, Mark Davis, he doesn't have any idea what he's actually doing when it comes to running a football team. 
he's good at building the stadium and drawing a crowd, albeit the crowd is normally wearing the opposing team's colors. But when it comes to like actually running a franchise, he is about as bad as it gets. He is, they I mean, they cycled through John Gruden as quickly as they could. He hired a TV analyst to be his general manager who had no real actual football experience and that kind of thing. They draft poorly every single season. So my big question is, is Tom Brady here to like actually help them win football games or is this just more, I want to live in Las Vegas. I want to live somewhere where it's cool, where I can still remain myself in the spotlight and I can make a pretty penny, you know, off of Chiefs fans coming to pay for my overpriced tickets at the stadium that the Chiefs always beat the Raiders in. I think that you hit the nail on the head by saying Mark Davis can't run a franchise. He's he's as bad at running a foot like football operations and making football decisions as his god awful haircut is, as his adult man boy bull cut with bangs is. Like I mean, that's how bad he is at running a franchise, and. I think that here's my take on it. I think Tom Brady's just trying to turn a quick buck. He's looking for an investment opportunity and he's a single guy now who doesn't want to have an owner's suite in Las Vegas being a single guy to, you know, bring your friends and a date to and to have a good time. And so I think he's probably, probably trying to live his best life. Um, Jimmy G's probably hating his life. He's like, can I ever get out of Tom Brady's shadow? This guy just like wants to like, like, this guy just wants to follow me wherever I go. You know, he had, he had a little bit of a respite when he was with San Francisco there, but the whole time he's in San Francisco, he's actively not wanted you know, by his coaching staff. And so like Jimmy G is Jimmy G is a football player, but man, is there a guy with worse football luck than Jimmy Garoppolo? Man? I don't know. <laughs> he just gets into so many, awkward situations it's like funny honestly though you know from what they've reported about jimmy in the past he's probably gonna really enjoy las vegas and what it has to offer him specifically so i actually think jimmy g it's a great fit for the actual city you know the whole football side you know the raiders fans will have the same exact debate they had about Derek carr some will think he's good. Some will think he's bad. In reality, he's probably someone in the middle who probably won't be enough to get the job done when it matters the most. You're absolutely right about Jimmy G, the person, though. Um, <laughs> if you know anything about Jimmy G's dating history, Chiefs Kingdom, feel free to feel free to Google it when you're not at work. Um, but uh, Jimmy G's dating history is very vibrant and fits the city of Las Vegas <laughs> very well. That's all I'll say. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know what? At the end of the day, God bless him. God bless Jimmy G. And I hope nothing the best but the best for him, except for when he plays the Chiefs or any other football game now that he's a Raider. But in his personal life, I hope he has nothing but joy and success. Uh, all right. Wrapping up here in a few minutes. Uh, I've had a lot of fun. This has been a good up. This has been a good podcast, man. That's uh it's a little bit a little bit of meandering and off the rails at points, but it's been fun. Um, it's May 22nd. So it's, it's a, this is a May 22nd podcast. If you ever heard of May 20, this is a May 22nd pinch hit podcast. If you ever heard of May 22nd pinch hit podcast. Um, but let's talk about the Chiefs. Back to the Chiefs for a second. What, what are the remaining needs on the roster at this point? And are there any moves that you would like to see the Chiefs make right now? 
you know, I, I still think they could probably add another defensive lineman, and I think they could probably add another receiver. Donovan Smith really rounded out the tackle room well. I think it's kind of a long shot for them to trade for a uh, DeAndre Hopkins type guy at this point down the line. But as far as the defensive line goes, you know, you're talking, there are still some interesting names available. Obviously, Frank Clark is out there. Yannick Ngakwe is out there. Justin Houston is out there. So there's some names around, you know, obviously Houston feels like a long shot after how things ended, but they, you know, you can never have enough depth along the defensive line. Yeah, no, I would, I would second the, the need in the defensive line. And, you know, Chris Jones has been all over Twitter, you know, trying to say, bring Shark back, bring Shark back. I'm going to retweet it every day until you bring back my boy. But I think in order to bring Shark back, they may need hit for him to sign an extension to get the cash to bring Shark back. And he doesn't seem motivated to get the extension done to bring his buddy back, you know. But I think that the Chiefs do need to figure out a way to bring in another defensive lineman. And a guy like Ngakwe or Clark, I think, makes a lot of sense and as far as receiver goes yeah like i don't want the chiefs to give up any draft capital to get a guy but if you have a guy who you know still has some some tread left on the tires who's a cap casualty after june 1st you know like i mean not probably not going to happen but a guy like mike evans he he's they save they're they're up against the cap the bucks are and they save 14 million dollars by cutting him after june 1st you know, and so something like that, and if he becomes available, then yeah, maybe I'd say you move some money around to try to make a play for a guy like that because that's a difference maker. Um, so I think selectively, I would like to see the Chiefs make a selective move for an impact player at either defensive line or a wide receiver. Um, all right, so what do you think is going to actually happen? What's your prediction for what's going to actually happen the rest of the way in the offseason? You know, outside of just the um, frequent movers, you know, non-practice squad guys, practice squad guys, you know, just random camp bodies to bring in. I'm sure they'll, you know, I'm sure they'll go through their options. I don't think it'll be anything flashy. I think like a Clark or Ngakwe, probably the two most likely options on the table. And I don't think those will be horrendously expensive contracts. So I can see that. I would just really struggle to see them, like you mentioned, trading, a, giving up a, a lot for a receiver when they're not going to get any return for well over a year at this point. Yeah, 100%. And so I think the most likely offseason prediction is somewhere during training camp the Chiefs add a guy like a Carlos Dunlap, you know, like they did last year, um, and then probably add another – wide receiver if one becomes available maybe they add another big guy like a danny shelton or somebody like that you know that type of guy who if he gets if, he, if he's if he's a roster casualty when they cut down to the final 53 or if he's just still floating around out there and available i think maybe you know veach makes a move for one of those guys um but that being said i think that's about all we got for this week you know caleb bro it's been great being not british with you and being being American on this not British Chiefs, great British Chiefs show on this uh this great American pre Memorial Day Chiefs podcast. <laughs> That's what we're calling this. This is the pre Memorial Day Chiefs extravaganza for America, and it's been great being American with you, Caleb. Always, man. It's big time holiday weekend in America vibes coming up. So. 
everyone just enjoy your summer where it's really the hard hitting time of the year. It'll be June in about a week. So we're really ramping up into the important stuff. Yeah. Heck yeah, we are. And so everybody, thank you so much for listening. Um, as always, check us out over at the website. We got, even though it's the off season, we still got new content coming out every single day. Anything that happens Chiefs related, we're hitting it. We're getting it out there. We're writing it up for you guys. We're also breaking down film still. Um, remember, every single Wednesday, we still have the uh, editor show with Pete and John, the two gold standards in the business. We also have the Coast to Coast show with Aaron Ladd and Mark Gunnels. Check those guys out. They are hilarious as can be. Um, and this our whole our whole entire you know podcast lineup that we that we have for you guys the out of structure with Ron and, and Matt like like we, we we bring bangers every single week for you guys so if if you don't have a subscribe hit that subscribe button and if you think that that me and Caleb didn't totally waste forty five minutes of your time drop us a review and uh, and, 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 and give us some kind words because uh, we really enjoy you giving us the privilege of your time on this episode so. Thank you very much, everybody. Have a great week. Be safe. Enjoy your holiday. Take care.